Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, this is now the sixth Sunday that we have not been able to meet together. And yet I am so glad that we have the opportunity to connect in this way uh, by means of this technology. It's such a good thing. I'll, I'll be honest with you, though. I miss you. I miss the opportunity to um, interact, to hear what God's doing in your life, to, to kind of catch up with what's what's happening in, in your homes and your work, those things. And so uh, it's just kind of such a strange season for us. You, you know, something we said last week that has actually really resonated with me as I've been thinking about and praying about today is that whole thought that even though we can't be together in God's house, it is so good to know that God is in your house. And I honestly believe that wherever you are right now, whether you are in your home, in your living room, your family room, your bedroom, your kitchen, maybe you are uh, in your car, maybe you are in a, in, a, in a hospital room somewhere, wherever it is that you are, God is right there with you. And I love it that I know that he can use his word, what we're about to look at today, to impact our lives, even in this unique way, in this special season. You know, um, we're in the middle of April 2020. Uh, we just last Sunday was Easter. We're we're in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic, COVID-19. We're asking all kinds of questions, but the, the dialogue has shifted in the last week. It's really been interesting to hear. Kind of prior to this, it was more like, what is this all about? What does this mean? And so many questions about the virus and care and preparedness and, and social distancing. In the last week, though, the conversation has changed. It seems like we're really getting serious about asking a new question, which is when will this end? <laughs> like all of this, the, the stay at home, the social distancing, the so many of us not able to, to go back to our jobs in one way or another. When will this end? However, though, I think there's a different question for us to consider. Like today, I, I would ask you to think about this maybe in a different way, in a more unique way. Here's a different question to consider. Instead of asking, when will this end? Today, I wanna to challenge you to ask, how will this end? Not just when will this end, but shift the word here. Think about this. Think about how will this end? Like for you, in, in your life, in your family. I, I guess the thing I would encourage you to consider, how will this end? How will you be different because of this season? I think God has us here for a reason. He knew this was the season of time for you and I to be alive. And as we go through this, how will we be different because of COVID-19? How will our lives be changed? Now, look, let, let's be honest as we look at this. As, as I look at the calendar, we've got at least two more weeks of the stay at home. And we probably have weeks, if not months, of what is abnormal. So how will this end for you? Like, like what, in what ways maybe will you be worse? Will, will you be better? Will you be bitter? Like how is this going to affect you? I was listening to a, a podcast this week. And as the, the guy that was leading the podcast talked, he said, this is the progression we've been in. We, we, we used to have our normal. And right now we're living in an abnormal. And at some point we'll come back to what he called a new normal. Now, this is a really interesting thing to say, and some of us are, are kind of feeling this. We're like, when will we get back to normal? Or what will our new normal be? Or will there be such a thing? Or is, is there really a normal anyways? Like, here's my thought for you. How will you be different because of this season? 
How will the hours of news and Netflix affect you? Will fear take over some new space in your heart? You're probably asking questions like, will my finances recover? How do I regain what I have lost? What is it that I have gained in this season? How have I grown in this season? Will I be weaker? Will I be stronger? I, I was on a Zoom call this week and uh, one of the ladies on the call, she very proudly said, you know, during this season, I've lost five pounds. And I raised my hand and I said, don't worry, I found it. Like, like I know exactly where it is. Like, how will we be different? How will this end? My question for you is not when will this end? It's not a question of timing. My question is how will this end? It's a question of transformation. You know, last week was Easter and I wanna thank our team. They did a phenomenal job of putting together a really special Easter service for you and I to be able to take part in and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We, we had um, almost 2000 devices, separate individual devices that logged into our stream. That does not include all the just kind of quick views that happened, the thousands of views that happened on Facebook, other social media ways. That's four times more at least than what would be typical for us pre-corona. It's our largest online audience ever. So thank you for inviting people. Thank you for sharing this. And I, I wanna welcome, because the reality is there's probably some of you that maybe even starting last, last week, you began to be a part of what God is doing here at Calvary. You're gonna hear more in the days ahead about what God is doing here, how we would love for you to be a part of the Calvary family. And we wanna welcome you in this season. Before Easter, we had started a series of messages that we were calling Seven Letters. We were looking at um, the first few chapters in the book of Revelation, the last book in the New Testament. And when we talk about Revelation, we, we often think of it almost like a, like a sci-fi movie. We think of all the riddles and the symbols, the plagues, the bowls, the, the scrolls, the, the, the dragon, all these, these imagery things that we see in the book of Revelation. Actually, what, what we find here in these first few chapters is that there's a guy in isolation who is visited by Jesus and he's given messages to share with churches in crisis. Messages from a guy in isolation for people in crisis. How timely could that be for us? And there's a couple of themes that we've seen emerge. We're gonna see this over and over again in these letters. These themes that we've seen emerge throughout the book of Revelation. Two that I want you to see, and we, we've shared them before, just real quick. The book of Revelation tells us that things may get worse before they get better. I know that's not always easy to hear, but the reality is things may get worse before they get better, but here's the whole point of the book of Revelation. You are going to make it. There is a promise on the other side. So with that in mind then, the question is that we're changing is not when is it over, but how is this going to end in our lives? Like how do you respond in this? We're gonna to look today at the third letter that Jesus gives to the apostle John to share with one of the leading churches of that time. It's the letter to the church in Pergamum. Now we'll talk more about Pergamum here in just a moment, but as I read this letter, it's kind of broken up in three paragraphs in my Bible. And there's like three themes that emerged. And as I thought of those themes, the, the things that Jesus was trying to communicate to the church in Pergamum, it made me think of us and where we are today. Maybe back in March, there was probably a moment for a lot of us when somebody said to you, hey, it's time to work from home. And probably rather quickly, you had to make a decision. What am I gonna take from where I work to have at home so I can continue to work? 
Like, what were the things you were going to take with you? I know that for us, we, we had several days that we were able to kind of think, hey, what do we need to take from our offices here at the church so that we can work from home during this time? I have a friend, though, that, that went home for the weekend and received a message while she was there that said, hey, don't come back. She, she wasn't even able to go back and, and get things until later. So this is important to ask this question. When you're moving from one season to another, what is it that you take with you? That's what this message is all about. What are you going to take with you from this season into the next? Today, I want to share with you three things. What to take into what is next. And as we look at this message that Jesus gives to the church in Pergamum, we're going to ask this question. What do we take into what is next? Three things that he says in this letter. Here's the first one. Number one, I hope you'll take a commitment to courage. I hope that you will take with you a commitment to to courage. You know, everything seems to be different around us for, for many of us. The, the reality of what we're facing, the things that we're dealing with, the, the interaction that we have. This is true, too. I, I don't know about you, but if you're working from home or if you've gotten involved in a small group somehow here, even at Calvary, you've had to experiment with some new online technology. There's all kinds of things. I, I've been on um, FaceTime. I've been on Teams. I've been on GoToMeeting. I've been on WebEx and spent an awful lot of time on Zoom. Well, there's a farm in Silicon Valley in California. It's called Sweet Farm. They have all kinds of livestock and animals. And what they've been doing is people can contact them and for $100, you can have a llama, a goat, or some other farm animal join your, your Zoom meeting. Like just to bring some variety and liven it up. They call it, are you ready? They call it goat to meeting. Goat to meeting. Here's, here's a picture. Let me show you real quick. You've got all these people in the Zoom call. Way down here, I don't know if you can tell, there's a llama. Here's a bigger picture in the speaker view of this llama right there in the middle of this meeting. People are looking for all kinds of ways to kind of help in this season when so much is changing. Uh, that's kind of cute. But the reality is, with so many things that are different right now, what we really need is courage. Here's what Jesus said to the church in Pergamum. Revelation chapter 2, verse 12. To the angel of the church in Pergamum write, These are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. Wow, there's, there's some language there about that place of Pergamum and what it was like to be a follower of Jesus Christ in that time at the end of the first century and how what Jesus affirms in their lives is their courage. Courage is a word that I, I've not been able to shake, to be honest, these last few weeks. It's just kept coming back to me in, in a whole new way because I've seen so many people act with courage in this season. Leaders who have had to make courageous decisions the courage of our healthcare professionals and essential workers and first responders. I've seen courage from business owners, courage from those of you who are self-employed in this season, courage from those of you who are going over and above to care for your family in this time. What has been needed in this season in so many ways is courage. And the words that Jesus speaks in these first couple of verses in, in this uh, letter to the church in Pergamum, he says to them, 
I see your courage. And it's interesting what we find when we look at this. See, because if you and I are going to say, okay, if we need to have courage, where does it come from? Well, here's a thought. Courage is not found in where you are. Courage is not found in where you are. Look, they didn't get courage because they were somewhere easy to live. It said it was, it was where Satan lives is how Jesus described Pergamum. And we'll talk a minute why he would have said that. But what I want to say to you is that where you are, your situation in life, it does not have to control you. Look, can I tell you, as, as we stand here in April of 2020, nobody wants to be where we are right now. No, nobody wants this to be our reality. But this is not all there is. And we don't, we don't have this choice. We live in this time. It is our situation. And we cannot let that situation keep us from courage. Do not allow your situation to make you fearful. See, this can happen in our lives. We can just become so consumed with where we are right now that we push courage out because we've opened up the door to allow fear in. Courage is not found in where you are. It, this passage also tells us that courage is not found in when you are, like the season that you're in. Courage is not found in when you are. It's interesting because Jesus says, I, I affirm you because you, you stood firm to your faith even in the days of, of Antipas, my faithful witness. Now, we don't know the story of this guy other than to assume that he was a follower of Jesus Christ, that he stood firm for his faith, and as a result... He suffered execution. He died for his faith. The times when we live can often rob us of courage. Look, let me encourage you. We're in a frustrating season. One, one of the biggest frustrations that we can have is when we don't have answers to things, when there's not clarity, when we don't know what to do. And we can shrink back in those seasons. Even more so, we can let it change our thoughts and change our perspectives and even change our hearts. Like I think for all of us, we have to guard our, our hearts at times that when we don't know, when there's a lack of clarity, it can cause us to become um, jaded, maybe even bitter. Look, do not allow your season to make you cynical. The season that you're in right now with so much that is unknown, don't let it make you cynical. Instead, can I challenge you? Courage may not be found in those things we've talked about, but courage is found in who you are. Courage is found in who you are. It's not because of your situation. It's not because of the time in which you live. Courage is found. It's in your character. It's in your decision. It's in your choice. What I want to challenge you to do, and, and courage looks different in everybody's situation, but choose to be courageous. Choose to be courageous in this season. I've done some research in the last couple of weeks about the life of Winston Churchill because he, he led so well in times of crisis. And one of the things that he did, even in the midst of talking to people about the, the, the reality of the danger and the fear and the mess that they might have been in, he always told people, look, there's a bright future ahead. There'll be a better world for our children we will walk in, he used this phrase of broad sunlit uplands. He painted pictures of what was ahead. And he said, we choose to be courageous. I want to challenge you, especially if you're struggling in this season, to choose to be courageous. 
to look at this, this period of time that we're in and say, God, what, what do I want you to do in my life? How do I want to be different because of this? One suggestion I heard is that look, look, look in a calendar, maybe look six months down the road and, and set a date right now. Let's say in October, when you say on that date, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to celebrate how I, I made it through this crisis, how our family did, how our business did. And we're going to celebrate that and how we stood firm. We were courageous in this crisis. And then think about what's that going to take if we're going to do that and then live in that way. Choose to be courageous. Decide who you want to be and then live in that way. And you say, Chad, I don't know how to do that. I can't do it on my own. And the answer to that is 100% you are right. Because here's where courage is truly found. Courage is found in who he is. Courage is a choice that you make. It's character, but the strength you'll find. It comes from who he is, from who God is. Maybe you're familiar with the passage in the, in the life of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. God said to him, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What, what, what kind of name is that for a city when Jesus says about Pergamum that this is the place where Satan lives? Why, why would he say that? Part of why Jesus said that is because there were so many um, things in that city that were dedicated to and, and, and focused upon the worship of false gods, idolatry, mythology, all those things, including and especially the worship of the emperor. And we talked about this a few weeks back. But if you were in the, the world in that time, in the Roman Empire, you were expected to worship the emperor. The seed of that was in Pergamum. And the governor who had his place in Pergamum had what was called the, the sword of Rome. He had the ability to offer capital punishment. He could execute people, which you couldn't do all over the Roman Empire, but that was unique in Pergamum. And it was said that he would have the Aes Gladi, the right of the sword, the sword of Rome, to be able to execute people. Maybe that's how Antipas lost his life. Now, if you think of that, that these Christians know that they live in a place where they could lose their life for their faith. And yet, did you see how Jesus showed up? Did you see the first words that Jesus says in this letter? Revelation chapter 2, verse 12. He says, to the angel of the church in Pergamum write, these are the words of him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. Did you see what Jesus said here? He said, I don't care where you live and I don't care who might be against you. I am the one who is more powerful. I am the one who has more strength. I am the one who you could put your confidence in. Let me encourage you today, whatever it is you're going through, Jesus is greater. And as a result, you can trust him. You can look to him. You can put your confidence in him. You can have courage because he's greater. One of the things that I hope you'll take from this season into the next is a commitment to courage. The second thing that we want to look at today, number two, is what I would call a commitment to change. Number two, a commitment to change. Revelation chapter two, verse 14 talks about this. This is the next part of the letter. So first Jesus affirms them. Then he says, look, guys, though, something needs to give here. Nevertheless, he says, I have a few things against you. 
There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. This is really interesting because that first paragraph, Jesus talks about courage and he talks about how when they stand firm against external pressures, he, he encourages them in that. The interesting part, though, is that these verses, though, are about internal pressures. They're about how do you respond when things are changing inside of you? How do you respond to those, those temptations? How do you respond to those fears? How do you respond to those things that are very difficult for you to change? Look, I'll come back to it again. Navigating change in this season is difficult. We live in a whole new world. And the virtual kind of world that we're living in is new to so many of us. I want to show you some pictures of a pastor. His name is Scott Mowry. He's from a Baptist church in Butler, Missouri. Wasn't very familiar with Facebook, but decided to start using it so that he could preach messages and teach those that are in his church. And so he set up whatever device he was using to record. He's streaming it to Facebook Live. He had no idea, though, check these pictures out. He had no idea that there were filters on. And so he's just preaching away. He can't see himself. And as it's broadcasting, at times he was in a spaceship. He had googly eyes. He was wearing dark shades. He looked like a wizard. And at times he even looked like a cat. This is, this is crazy that this happened to this guy. But it just goes to show all of us are having to learn how to navigate change. What's, what's change look like? Well, for some of us in this season, and remember, what are we talking about here? We're talking about what we're going to take with us into the next season. We're talking about how this will end for us, what transformation will happen. I'm calling you to a commitment to change. And for some of us, change is growth. See, what was happening in Pergamum is they were wrestling with leaving behind what they used to be and moving forward into what God would have them to be. They were having a hard time letting go of some old habits, of some old ideas, of some things from their life before Jesus that they were trying to hold on to that honestly just weren't compatible with faith in Jesus Christ, idolatry and immorality. And it just says this, and, and, and let, me, let me encourage you, this doesn't just have to be in matters of sin. Stop letting who you were determine who you are. Especially in this season, as things are changing around us, stop letting who you were determine who you are. Several years ago, I, I, I read a book called Leadership Pain by an author named Sam Chand. And if you are in leadership, especially in the church world, but in, in any place, I, I would highly recommend this book. And one of the, the things that Dr. Chan talks about here, which is this really interesting equation. And let me show it to you it, because he walks you through this process. That growth, if you want to grow in your life, growth equals change. Change leads to loss. Loss always equals pain. And so if you want to grow, it means you will experience pain. Growth equals change. Change equals loss. Loss equals pain. Thus growth equals pain. If we're going to grow in, in any way in our lives... Somewhere it's going to mean that there will be something that may be lost. It's going to be difficult. 
It's not going to be easy. Look, you can think about maybe seasons that you've been in transition when you move from one home to another, from one place to another, one job to another, as your family grows or as your responsibilities grow. In all those places, even though there's growth, there's always something that gets left behind and there may be grieving that happens. Look, we're in a season where so much is changing and you can try to hold on to what you have, but at some point we have to realize that there may be change that we have to step into. And as a result, if we're going to do that, it may feel like we've lost something, but that's where growth happens. My question to you is, are you willing to change? Like, are there habits or attitudes that you need to move forward with or change in your life? Like, what does God want? And and this may be a good question for you, kind of in conversation, in prayer with God to ask, God, what do you want to see change in my life? What have I learned during this season? Is it to focus more on my family? Is it to care more about rest? Is it to be more deliberate with with my schedule and with my time? Is, Is it to maybe even spend more time with God? Is it to simplify your life in some way? Is it to put more priority in your relationships? Like, I don't know what it is, but there's probably somewhere where God is stirring in your heart the things that he would like to see change in your life through this season. Don't hold on to things so tightly that you can't release it to allow God to help you to change. Back last fall when we were studying the book of Ecclesiastes, there was a passage that really challenged me. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 13. Better a poor but wise youth than an old but foolish king who no longer knows how to heed a warning. Sometimes we can become in our lives for whatever reason so settled in our ways that we have a hard time changing. I would encourage you to say, God, I'm committed to the change you want to make in my life. Now, some of that is change for growth. But some of that is also that change is repentance. Repentance is a word that we use a lot in the church. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then repentance is a word that maybe you're familiar with. It's one that we talk about quite often. What does it mean? Well, repentance is change. (laughs) It's when I say I I used to do this, but now I choose not to. I, I choose to change because of what Jesus has done in my life, because of what he has given me, because of who he is. And look, this is so clear in this passage in Revelation chapter 2. It's so clear in our lives. There comes a time and a point where we have to choose repentance and say, God, I'm going to do it your way instead of my way. And look, I, I don't know your story. In, in fact, I have no idea maybe who, 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 who many of us are that are even watching this or what's going on in our lives or what the last month has been. But God knows. We've already talked about this. God is with you. He, he knows what's going on in your life. And for all of us, there may be some things that have even kind of risen to the surface during this season of time. That we look at it in our lives and go, I, I don't know that that's pleasing to God. How do I change that? How do I move past that? I want to challenge you to repentance. Part of the problem at the church in Pergamum is they were letting the world around them determine right and wrong instead of focusing on what God said was right and what God said was wrong. And I want to challenge you with this. We must choose to view our culture through the lens of Scripture and not to view Scripture through the lens of our culture. Like, how how are you looking at your life? In these last few weeks when 
maybe some things have slowed down and some other things have sped up and different things have come into perspective. What, what is really the guiding principle in your life? Is it what you want? Is it what the world says around us? Or actually, is it what God's word says? We must be careful that it's God's word that we use to look at culture and not that we use the culture to look at God's word. Uh, this word repentance is kind of a loaded one. It's not very pleasant. Oftentimes it means I have to change. I might have to stop something. Sometimes it comes with conviction, which isn't comfortable because we know we've done something wrong. And instead of that conviction, we'll, we'll start to feel what the Bible calls condemnation. See, condemnation does not come from God. Conviction is when the Holy Spirit helps us to see that something needs to change. And can I tell you why? Look at this. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. The Bible says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of God's kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Look, there, there may be sins or habits or attitudes that are somewhere in your life. Temptations that keep kind of knocking on your door. That God in this season is saying to you, this is a time for repentance. Be willing to change. Whether that's a change that, that leads to growth and the blessing of that. Or whether it's a change that leads you to repentance and the freedom of that. My encouragement to you is to be willing to change. The other night, Ron and I were, were sitting at our kitchen counter and we were eating some soup. It was some kind of enchilada tortilla soup or something like that. And we had, a, we had a bag of tortilla chips that was sitting there and we were eating. And at one point, we were sitting there and we were eating the chips. Ron says to me, do these taste stale to you? And I was like, yeah, they don't, they don't seem very fresh. She says, you know, we've had these chips for, for months. She says, actually, we actually have a couple of bags of new tortilla chips sitting in our pantry that we've never opened. We had, we had had a family gathering at some point before all of this happened. And, and, and I think one or two of our kids actually brought tortilla chips with them. And so there were these brand new bags of chips that were in our pantry while we were sitting there eating these old stale chips. And all of a sudden she looks at me, she says, I'm going to throw these chips out. I said, where are you going to throw them out? And she says, because I'm not going to sit here and eat old chips while those new chips are sitting there getting stale in the pantry. And maybe this was the pastor in my mind. I just looked at her and I said, girl, you got a sermon right there. I says, that's a, that's a sermon. You, you don't want to be eating your, your stale chips when you got fresh chips right there in the pantry. And I just, I looked at her and I just started, yeah, I just said, throw out those chips, throw out those chips. Our son Evan was upstairs. He thought there was something wrong downstairs. I just started going, throw out those chips, you know, just kind of joking around. Hey, there's a sermon. And I looked right at her and I says, don't hold on to the blessings of yesterday because you're going to miss out on the favor of today. And then I just kind of looked at her and I went, actually, that's, I was kind of joking around, but that's actually... That's actually a pretty good sermon, right? Because for some of us, there are things that we're holding on to in this season that may even have been good things and blessings in our lives at the time when they came into our life. But now you're in a season of time where God has new favor, where he has something new he wants to do. And here's what you need to do. You need to be willing to say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out those chips. I'm going to get rid of them. I'm going to move on and be willing to change because there's something new that God wants to do in my life. If, if this is something that's encouraging or challenging you, let me encourage you, throw out those chips. 
And say, God, I'm open to what you want to do new in my life. Maybe it starts with growth. Maybe it starts with repentance. But can I tell you why I believe these things? Why I believe you can have a commitment to courage. And why I believe you can have a commitment to hope uh, to, to, to change. Number three, last one, just gave it away. <laughs> it's a commitment to hope. Number three is a commitment to hope. Let, let me read for you what Jesus says to end this letter. Revelation chapter 21 or 2 verse 17. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. These verses are tricky, right? Because we weren't a part of that culture. These, these are letters written to someone 2,000 years ago. If they came into our culture and tried to read our communication, they'd probably be confused too. And yet what we know as we look at those images, the hidden manna, the, the white stone, the new name, is that all of these were messages as you dig into the context and see what the culture was around that. All of those were messages of hope. What kind of hope? Well, hope in the provision of Jesus. When Jesus said, I'm going to give you the hidden manna. Manna was the food that God provided to the Israelites in the Old Testament when they were wandering in the wilderness. He provided for them. And this hidden manna is this promise that Jesus is going to provide for us. Look, for some of you in this season, that's a message of hope because financially, you're, you're feeling the brunt of this. There's a struggle that's coming. And look, I, I, don't, I don't have an easy answer. And I know that these are difficult times. But I also know this promise, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Paul says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So whether you need finances, whether you need peace, whether you need strength, Jesus has said that there is a hope that you can have, that that hidden manna, that he's going to supply that for you, that he's going to bring that to you, and you can trust him to do that, you can have a commitment to hope in this season. And can I tell you this? It's hope in the provision of Jesus. And it's also hope in the presence of Jesus. It's hope in the presence of Jesus. Those pictures that he ends this letter with, they're odd. He says that you will receive a, a white stone with a new name. And as I read about it, commentators and historians have, have said, well, this could mean multiple different things. Like, like one of the things that, that a white stone might have been used for in those days is that someone would have used a white stone almost as an invitation to a banquet. A, a name would be inscribed on it and you would be offered that white stone as, as a way to say you are invited to come and take part in this special thing. Another analogy that they use about this white stone is that it is possible that during that time when there was a courtroom setting and a juror would have to vote, they would use a black stone for guilty and they would use a white stone for innocent. So this idea of the white stone has this concept behind it of you have been made innocent and you have been invited and you have been given a new name a new name. Why would God say that? Because all throughout scripture, whenever someone is given a new name, what comes with it is also a fresh promise, a promise that God is going to keep and that he is going to do something spectacular, unique and powerful in their life. Now, I don't know your story right now, 
But I can promise you this, that as you move from where you are and into this new season, as we begin to change our question from when will this end to how will this end, you can take with you from where you are to what is next, a commitment to courage and a commitment to change and a commitment to hope because there is a God who loves you so much that he invites you into his presence and he offers you his forgiveness and he offers you his promise that he will never leave you and that he'll never forsake you, that he will always be right there with you. So in this moment, I'm gonna invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. And I just wanna ask you this question. Today, I know that there are some of you that are watching this that would say, Chad, I don't know that I'm in right relationship with God, that I want to receive his, his hope. I want to move forward with a commitment to courage and a commitment to change, but I know I can't do it on my own anymore. I need something more. The Bible tells us that the reason Jesus came was to seek and to save the lost. He came to be our savior. That means he's the one who brings us that forgiveness, that grace, that peace, that joy. He's our savior. And he also came to be our Lord, meaning the one who gives our lives purpose and meaning as we surrender our lives to him. And it may be that you're watching this and in this moment, you need to pray a prayer that says, Jesus, I can't do this on my own anymore. I need you to be my savior and to be my Lord. I give you my life today. If that's you, I want to pray with you and you can find that courage. He'll lead you through that change as you come to him with repentance and you can walk out this season with hope. If you know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, like you found that confidence in him, or if today you want to surrender your life to him, I want to lead us in a prayer. And would you pray this out loud with me right where you are and say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus for sending your son to die for my sin. I ask today that you would forgive my sin and be my savior. I surrender my life to you, my risen Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Look, if you prayed that prayer, it's not that the words had any kind of mystical power. It's that, that from your heart, you made a commitment. Jesus, I give you my life. We'd love to share more with you about what that commitment means. You can go out to our website. Right on the homepage, there's a, a link there that says online hub. You'll just click that. You'll find a space there where it just says Jesus. And if you click on uh, the Jesus link, you'll go out. There's more information from there about how to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And then we'd love it if you'd fill out the information there. We have a resource that we want to send to you. We want to pray with you and help you to know more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Thanks again for watching this today. We do not for a moment take for granted how precious your time is and that you would spend this time with us is such a great privilege. Here's what I wanna do. I wanna pray for you. We can't be in God's house, but I know that God is in your house. And as a result, we're gonna pray a prayer of blessing for your house today. Father, I thank you for your word. It speaks to us about how we can move in this season with courage, and change, and with hope. God, would you let those things fill our homes as we look to you and we trust you 
Father, I pray that right now, Holy Spirit, your, your grace and your presence would be with us in a powerful way that we would sense and know your special favor and your wonderful peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
to 